Hi, everyone. Moving into the language of emotions part two. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, please pause this or, or if you're watching, pause this, go back and listen to part one. This is a meditation inquiry contemplation about the language of emotions um, by Carla McLaren. And I've kind of pulled out uh, some of the really most powerful and potent um, teachings to share with you that are helpful to the greater picture in the village, our community at, at um, our online community for the Lola community, the village. This month we're studying a anger, I said age, which is anger, rage, and liberation and the connection between emotions. So today is another layer. Sit back, relax, and enjoy these kind of sentences, mantras, teachings, just see how they land. They're great for journaling, great for reflection. If you're out for a walk, you can kind of just be walking, thinking, breathing, relaxing, integrating. The socially accepted view is that there are good emotions and bad emotions. These categories have a bit of interplay, but basically good emotions are the ones that make us easy to be around, while bad emotions are the ones that shake things up. The good emotional states are, I'm sure, let me pause, name them for yourself before I give them the ones that, that uh, Carla mentions here. But yes, you are right if you said happiness, pleasantness, joy. Um, Notice how people will let you be sad about a senseless death for a lot longer than they'll let you be angry about it. So what she says here is that sometimes sadness and anger are allowed if they're in relation to a social justice, if they're allowed to a form of sadness um, within a, a time frame, and that anger can sometimes be good if it's a, in response to injustice. But again, the time frame that we usually allow people to be angry is, is quite short. The bad emotions category is very large indeed. Sadness that lasts too long is definitely bad. Depression is bad, but suicidal urge, urges are emergency room bad. Anger is bad. Righteous indignation, wrath, rage, and fury are extra bad. Hatred, we won't even go into. Jealousy is bad, bad, bad. Fear is so bad. We've got bumper stickers that shout out to others that we haven't got any fear, not a drop. So all the fear-based emotions are bad too. Anxiety, worry, trepidation, panic, shame, and guilt. They're so bad, we don't even know what they mean anymore. We're persistently trained. Ready for this sentence. Pause. Gather yourself. We're persistently trained and implored to express or more often repress our emotions so that other people feel comfortable. So just be with that for a minute. Okay. Just kind of thinking about in your world, what's been labeled good, what's been labeled bad, what has certain time frames, and then what's the context and the relationship to which other people are involved. Here's some 
sprinkling of a few other teachings. Real joy and real happiness can only exist in relation to all of the emotions. Each Each emotion has its own valid place in our lives. Joy and happiness are just two states in a rich and brilliant continuum of emotions. Each of our emotions has its own individual message, its own wants and needs, and its own purpose in the psyche. Our emotions can't change into something else just because we'd like them to. That's so huge. Emotions are necessary, even when they're uncomfortable or socially inappropriate, because they're a part of your psyche, a part of your neural network, a part of your socialization, and a part of your humanity. Emotions aren't the enemy, but they have come to be vilified because empathic awareness is so unusual. In a culture that swings from trampling the emotions one moment to glorifying them the next, it's savvy to turn down our empathic skills. The whole subject is rife with peril and confusion. It's easier to make fun of a crying man or shame an angry woman than it is to support their socially unaccepted emotions. It's also easier to pretend that we didn't get hurt by someone's insensitivity. It's easier to hide our honest emotions and shun them in other people. The only problem is we truly need our emotions. We can't live functional lives without them. Without our emotions, we can't make decisions. We can't decipher our dreams and our visions. We can't set proper boundaries or behave skillfully in relationships. We can't identify our hopes or support the hopes of others. And we can't connect to or even find our dearest loves. I just want us to pause with that for a second. How profoundly... impactful, not having this relationships to our emotions, like how it impacts, how it affects every area of our life and how we've learned to turn certain things down because of what's socially acceptable. It's just really, um, really powerful. Okay. Emotions are messages from our instinctive selves. They can be important carriers of absolute and often unwanted truth. Although many emotions aren't welcome in most psyches, each of them has a function and something meaningful and precise to say. If we ignore and repress, we're not erasing its message. We're just interfering with the important natural process. So that's really important. I really wanted us to kind of hear that, that emotions have cycles and we're interrupting the cycle when we repress or shame or guilt or hide what's really um, happening. Expressing our emotions is somewhat better than repressing them. And this is important too. At the very least, it allows a flow of honesty in our lives. If we're out there crying or raging or whatever, at least we're letting our emotions flow. However, if our emotions are very strong, expressing them can create both interior and exterior turmoil. Exterior turmoil comes about when we pour our strong emotions all over some unfortunate soul 
and try to make him or her responsible for our moods. We'll say, you made me angry or you made me cry. In doing so, we'll not only hurt that person, but we'll give them or him or her control over our emotional state. We won't be active, responsible, responsible individuals. We'll be powerless. Internal turmoil arises when we realize we may have hurt, degraded, or frightened someone with our many outbursts. We'll feel some sense of release with the expression of our strong emotion, but we'll be disappointed about our poor relating skills or ashamed about our lack of control. So I think that's really important too, is like, it's not about, it's not this extreme of just express all of the time because that can cause internal and external turmoil. It's about skillful means. It's about letting the cycle flow through and having a discharge space in which is appropriate and not harming yourself or others. Emotions are always true. They always tell the truth about how we're actually feeling, but they may not always be right or appropriate in each situation. Therefore, this is really important. This is where the skillful skillful means come in. We have to learn how to understand, interpret, and work with them. And we must find the middle path between repression and improper expression right? So not just repressing down and not improper expression. We must learn to honor and attend to our emotions in a deeper, more mature and evolved way. We must learn not to work against the emotions with repression or for the emotions with incompetent expression. We must learn to work with our emotions. And that to me is just like, Working with them is like walking beside them, allowing your free flowing emotions to have a place within your life where they're welcomed and they're not harming internally or externally. Um, So big. Okay. So now here's a few more things I wanted to add in. When people experience emotions in their flowing states, they're often astonished that their emotions don't feel dangerous, time consuming, or embarrassing. The emotions are so gentle in their flowing states, it's hard to identify them at first. The emotions have been shoved so far into the shadows, we often aren't aware of what's going on inside. Our natural and innate empathic intelligence is simply not welcome, exercised, or honored. And so if we welcome and honor our natural instincts and that emotional flow, it's actually much less... um, dramatic than when we're coming out of repression, um, or inappropriate discharge. Okay. So now I want to move on to something really amazing, um, which is talking about the elements. Dun, dun, dun. This is so awesome. In order to create more support for our transition into empathic awareness, I'd like to present the four element where earth, uh, four element model, where earth is the physical world and your body is, oh, let me pause. Earth is the physical world. Your body. Oh, sorry. Earth is the physical world and your body. Air is your mental and intellectual realm. Water is your emotional and artistic realm. And fire is your visionary or spiritual realm. What does this remind you of? Hopefully you can name it yourself. I'll keep going and see if you get more clues. If we can place people or situations into this four element model and observe 
their earthiness, their air aspects, their watery movements, and their fiery natures, we can understand a little bit more about them. This elemental framework is myth is, uh, sorry, has been used for centuries and across cultures as a way to gain understanding of the world. As we're learning now, the fire element with its dreams and visions that seem to come out of nowhere is turning out to be a function of an exquisitely attuned brain and nervous system. When we speak of the fire element, it's important to keep in mind that the entire realm of fire, dreams, spirituality, and vision is very likely a function of neurological process. However, this doesn't make our fiery aspects any less fascinating. Understanding our own four elements and their interactions brings unusual stability into our lives. When we can envision the emotions as our internal water element, as the part of us that embodies fluidity and flow, we can bring great clarity to our intrapersonal and interpersonal intelligence. With water as our model, we can understand the function of emotions, the properties of emotions, and the position emotions should take in our lives. Ding, ding, ding. This morning in our community, we recorded, and if you're part of the village, you can go ahead and watch it or participate in it and feel it, a fire circle where we welcome the element of water and we worked this morning with fire and water in terms of our emotional intelligence, working with anger, rage, freedom, and liberation. Water has so many distinct properties. It's valuable to study it in relation to the emotions. Water is soft and flowing, but it can wear down boulders and mountains. It's a great conductor of heat and energy, and it can carry things within itself through its ability to support weight and create buoyancy. It moves and flows around anything put in its path, and it usually finds its way to the deepest, most grounded places. Water can even travel upward. It moves constantly. If you put a lot of energy into it, water can change its form. It can shape shift into vapor or into a solid block of ice. Water moves back and forth between states in a constant flow, just as emotions move or should move between their free flowing and obvious mood states in a constant flow. Water makes plant life possible. It quenches and bathes every living creature and regulates the temperature of our entire planet. The unusual properties and qualities of water make life on earth possible. So powerful to connect this element of water with the elements of emotions, letting our states flow through and being able to embody these qualities in our lives. All right, let me wrap up this part because there's so much more I want to say, um, but I'm mindful to really kind of drip and sprinkle this out. So you're just so deliciously uh, you know, bathed in these, in these concepts and this incredible teaching, uh, combining the elements, uh, with the emotions in relationship to our lives. Um, okay. Here's the last part I want to say today. Like I said, there's so much more. 
Through the model of earth, air, water, and fire, we can see that our emotions are a great and flowing force without which we could not live or grow. Yet still we try to live without or in spite of our emotions. We struggle to change or delete our emotions. We try to live without water in our souls and then wonder why our lives refuse to work or why our world is filled with unrelieved emotional pain. Consciously placing each of our elements in relation to the whole helps us envision balance and flow in all parts of ourself. We begin to understand how our lives function or malfunction when any element is out of balance in our psyches. We begin to see that balance is necessary if we want to experience our emotions in brilliant ways in, or any part of our life in brilliant ways. We've got to have full and conscious access to our airy intellectual intelligences and capacities, our earthly physical perceptions and intelligences, our fiery visionary wisdom, and our watery emotional awareness and intelligences. If we're truly serious about healing and personal growth, we can't just pay attention to one or two parts of ourselves. If we want to be strong, aware, and emotionally agile, we've got to build a village inside of us and learn to honor our full elements of earth, air, water, and fire, and all of our intelligences. So profound, so important. It's just, this is like, ah, full body chills in terms of how to bring this all together. There's actually one more. Well, we'll wait on that and kind of see how this goes. If you're digging this and you want me to do a part three, um, where, where she goes more into, there's another chapter called reviving your essential nature, making room for your central self. And, um, there's so many good, like wisdom in reviving your essential nature, but um, I'd love to hear from you if that feels like something interesting. Email me, pleasant at little ohm. Um, otherwise, I'll end this at stage two. But I hope that you've had a really beautiful time here um, working with the elements and the emotions and, and being able to see these ones that we've labeled good, these ones that we've labeled bad, how we've worked with that society, and then how we reclaim our wholeness and our healing by actually including all of them within our own water element of our emotional intelligence and inviting it home um, with all of the parts of ourself. Be well.